You're listening to another message from Generation City Church. Uh, Paul says, if, if by the trespass of the one man, talking about Adam and the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden, if by his fall, his trespass, his disobedience, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. You know, death and all of its symptoms is around us every day. Death and the byproducts of death, the symptoms of death, the fruit of death surrounds us every day of our lives. Wherever you go, you see death, you see decay, you see deterioration. When God created the, the, the heavens and the earth, when God created the universe, the stars, the planet, and he put the vegetation and the life and man ultimately on his planet, he never ever intended for man to die. He never intended for man to grow weak with illness and sickness. He never intended for man to become powerless and eventually suffer and deteriorate and, and die. He never meant for death to rule and reign in our life. But you don't have to look very far to see that it, it does. Many of you would be aware that Margot spends a significant part of her week at the Mater Hospital. And uh, she does a lot of pastoral care over there, particularly in the oncology department. And one of the things that she has had highlighted to her, and I suppose has impacted her more than anything else, is the amount of cancer there is in our world today. The amount of people that are affected either directly or indirectly by cancer and other related illnesses. And, you know, she said it's not uncommon even to find a husband and a wife sitting side by side, both receiving chemotherapy for cancer, that both of them are going through similar things at the same time. And the home isn't just one person fighting the battle. Sometimes there are multiple people in the one household that are facing and fighting the same illnesses and sicknesses and disease. She said it's, it's not uncommon for her to find people who sit constantly alone when they go through their treatment, their chemo, their radiation, as they are doing the journey of trying to overcome what's really attacking their body and debilitating them significantly, it's not uncommon to find they do it alone. They're not surrounded by devoted family members. They're not surrounded even by close friends. They, they just seem to be alone in life with nobody there to care for them, nobody there to support them, nobody there to encourage them. And she's been really impacted by that. Death is everywhere. We're surrounded by it. We've just heard this morning that, you know, Gary, I'm so sorry to hear about the loss of your dad. And it's a close of a significant chapter in your life. And Max, I'm not sure whether Max is here, he is here this morning. The loss of his sister, the close of a significant chapter in his life. And no matter how old a person even gets, it still is impacting when you lose a loved one because they've had such a significant or played such a significant role in your life. But, but death is around us everywhere. And it's all because of this one trespass. 
It's all because of this one man's disobedience, Adam, in the Garden of Eden, who, who refused to just live within the guidelines, the boundaries, the, the patterns that, that the Creator had set for him. He could have anything he wanted. He could have done anything he wanted. He could have gone anywhere he wanted except for this one thing. But he wasn't satisfied to stay within the parameters that were designed to keep him safe, to keep him healthy, to keep him whole. And through disobedience, death entered our world and our world is permeated by it. Physical death, illness, sickness, disease, as I've just talked about. Emotional death. So many people today are plagued by inner, inner torment and inner turmoil in their, in their emotions, in their heart, in their inner world. You know, so many people are so twisted up with anger and frustration and disappointment and sadness and, and inner storms that just seem to rage in their life every day. You turn the news on every day and somebody else has been murdered because of some emotional frenzy. There is so much emotional death in our world today and less and less emotional health in our world today. There's so much mental death in our world today. People are living more and more with fear, with anxiety, with stress, with depression. Their mind is not at peace. And yet the whole time the Bible calls out to us, if we will keep our mind focused on him he will keep us in perfect peace. Yet perfect peace seems to evade so many people, not just in the world, but in the church today. It, it tells me so strongly that there are so many churchgoers who are not in Christ, who are not, not living life with their minds stayed upon their Savior, with their heart connected day in and day out. They don't get up in the morning and say, Good morning, Holy Spirit. Walk with me today. Strengthen me today. Show me what you want from me today. Lead me where you want me to go today. Help me to be obedient to your word today. There's so many of us that just go and live life as we see fit and then come to church on Sunday because it's what we've always done and we hope that that'll be enough that when we die we'll get to heaven it's a miserable existence there is so much relational death in the world today families that don't talk to each other anymore Family members that are offended one with the other, fights over money, fights over relationship fallouts, people taking sides and reconciliation is just so far removed from so many of our thinking patterns. It's more about vengeance. It's more about being vindicated. It's more about being justified. So many friendships are destroyed because friendships today, even in the church of Jesus Christ, is built more on selfishness than on generosity. So many of us, what will I get out of this relationship? They're not doing enough for me and it's, it's all about what I will receive rather than what can I put into this relationship? How can I be a greater blessing? You see, the Bible again screams at us, it's more blessed to give than receive. Yet, yet we all go looking for what will I get? What will this bring for me? Church life today, it's scary and I believe it's a strategy of the devil to get us so busy that we don't have time for the house of God. To get us so busy in our workplace, so busy with our families, so busy with sporting events and hobbies and outlets and things that take commitments that, 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 that the church, if it can fit into our life, then we'll make room for it. And the Bible says those that are planted in the house of God will flourish. And we wonder why we're not flourishing. We wonder why we're not growing. We wonder why we're not bearing fruit. We wonder why we have a form of godliness but no power. Oh, I hope this is okay. 
come back. <laughs> I haven't come back to beat you up, honestly. I've, I've come back to appeal to you. It's only in Christ that we find wholeness. It's only in Christ that we find fruit. It's only in Christ that we find success. If we would just, Jesus said, he, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And yet we're looking for life. We're searching for life. And the whole time his word is there saying, if you will just die to what you want and live for what I want, you'll find life. Far more life than you ever thought possible in the searches that you've been engaging in. You know, relational death is, is rampant in the church and outside of the church today. And ultimately, spiritual death, of course. People are not turned on to God anymore. People are not interested in God anymore. People are only chasing what will seemingly make them happy. Death reigns in our world and we can all bear witness to its effect upon our life. You know, God considers death an enemy. Whether it's relational death, whether it's emotional death, whether it's mental death, spiritual death, physical death, sickness, disease, illness, anything that decays, anything that deteriorates, God, God treats it as an enemy. He sees it as an enemy. Death is an enemy. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy. So it's very clear. If you, if you weren't sure, well, is, enemy, is death really an enemy? Well, well yeah, it is. That's, that's the Bible I'm, I'm quoting. The last enemy. To be destroyed is, is death. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul said, It has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior. Grace has now been revealed, is what he's talking about, through our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death. He came to destroy death. He came to crush death. He came to annihilate death in all of its forms and all of its byproducts and all of its symptoms that, that permeate our life every day. He came to destroy it and he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Our God considers death to be an enemy. But, but are we as his children resigned to the fact that death in all of its forms can affect our, our life any time it wishes? Are we resigned to the fact that death in all of its forms, regardless of the fact we worship the one who destroyed death, the one who has crushed death, the one who has broken the power of death, the death, where is your sting? Are we resigned to the fact that even though we worship the one who has declared that death is an enemy and he came to destroy death. Are we resigned to the fact that death in all of its forms can, can touch our life anytime it wishes? Anytime it so desires can permeate our life. Are we allowing death to reign in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones? Or are we rising up and declaring God's word over our situation? Are we rising up and declaring the truth of God's word into the circumstances of our life, into the sicknesses in our body, into the emotional turmoil that so often wants to bombard our minds and our lives? Are we resigned to the fact death can do whatever it wants, whenever it wants? Romans chapter 5 verse 17, that verse alone, we opened with it. Have a look at it. For, for if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned, death, death ruled. If, if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more? Thank God for the much more. Thank God for the much more. If by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one, how much more? 
How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Can you hear what what Paul is saying here? Death reigns and so many of us are resigned to the fact, well, it's touched me. I've got cancer. I'm going to die. I've got this problem. I'll never get over it. It's just that everybody's got it. Why should I think I'll ever get a breakthrough? Well, Well, I think you should think that because of what I just read if by the trespass of the one man sickness touches our body death touches our body emotional illness touches our body mental health deteriorates in our in our life if by the one man those things happen how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness you know there's nothing there that I can do to get what this verse is promising It's all given to me by God. And if you have opened your heart to Jesus, if you've opened your life to receive him as your Savior and your Lord, this verse is your promise. You, when you receive Christ, you receive what the Bible calls an abundance of his grace. It's poured out upon your life. It's his undeserved favor. You don't deserve it. You don't work for it. You can't work for it. There's nothing you can do to get it. He's just decided to pour it out upon your life. When you receive him, you receive the abundance of his grace and the gift of his righteousness. It's a gift. How much more than those who just say, God, I'm lost without you. I need your grace. I need your righteousness. He, he will pour it out. How much more, once you have done that, will we rule and reign in life through Christ Jesus? We suffer death through Adam, but we are no longer under Adam. We are under Christ when we receive his word. How much more will we reign in life through the one man, Jesus? How much more will we begin to pull healing from heaven down into our world? How much more will we begin to pull restoration from heaven down into the atmosphere of my life? How much more will I begin to pull reconciliation and wholeness and and all the goodness of God? How much more will I begin to pull that from heaven down into my world? It is the will of God. It is the will of God. Listen to me. It is the will of God for it to be on earth as it is in heaven. He would never have taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven if he never meant for it to be. He would never tell us to pray that way. Oh, by the way, I'm not going to do it. I just want you to pray the prayer. So you'll feel better about yourself and you'll have this sense of, well, I've done my spiritual duty for the week and and i've prayed the sinner's prayer i've prayed the 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 the, uh our father prayer the lord's prayer i've i've done you know but by the way i'm not going to give you any of it i just want you to pray it ask me for it but the answer is no before you start He, he doesn't do that how much more will we reign in life Will we begin to pull the resources of heaven down into our world down into our circumstances but there's something something you have to understand There's something you have to understand, and it's this. Healing in this life, healing in this life is not simply the resolving of your past. Healing in this life is not simply the resolving of your past. It is the use of your past to draw you into a deeper relationship with God. That's where healing will come from. 
Sometimes we think if they apologize, the relationship will be healed. They may never apologize. Sometimes we think if I can just get, get the right whatever it is I need to fix this problem in my body, I will find healing. That may not take place when you want it to. Healing comes through him. It's the use of whatever has happened to us. It's the use of whatever pain we've experienced, whatever suffering we've endured, whatever abuse we have, have come under. It's the use of that to draw us into a deeper relationship with God and his purposes for our life. It's only in him that healing is found. I know that because here's what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19. That you may experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete. When I, when I read that, I straight away go, there's the answer to being complete. There's, there's the key to finding healing. There's the key to discovering breakthrough in whatever circumstance I am in. When you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It's only in Him that I find true healing. It's only in Him that I find true restoration. You know, if we would just read some of these verses and apply them, God, the only way I'm going to be complete is if they apologize. The only way I'm going to be complete is if this gets fixed or if that's sorted out or if I'm justified or if I'm vindicated or if somebody declares this over me, then I will. No, no, no. The only way to get complete is to experience the love of Christ. And that's open to every one of us. Nobody is blocking your healing but you. It's only in him that I will find true healing, freedom, and life. Resolving my past cannot be guaranteed. But the love of Jesus can be. The love of Jesus can be. It is a guarantee. His love never ceases. What can separate me from his love? Neither height, nor death, nor principality, nor power, nor things in heaven, nor things on earth, nor things above, nor things beneath. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. And thank God for that because it's only when I experience his love that healing flows into every fiber of my being. My joy in life is not dependent upon what others do. It's dependent upon my being in him. When I experience it, I will be made complete. You know, resolving my past can never be guaranteed. Joseph faced some shocking things in his life. But I think one of the hardest things would have been what happened with Potiphar's wife. He was falsely accused of raping the woman and spent 13 years in an Egyptian jail for a crime he did not commit. And it's interesting, there is no record anywhere in the Bible of him ever being vindicated from that crime. No record in the Bible of his name ever being cleared, of him ever being exonerated for something that he was accused of that he never ever did. There's no record of it. Yet Joseph was able to stand up and say what was meant for evil, God has turned around and used it for my good. Why is that? Because he found his healing in God. 
He found his breakthrough in God. His breakthrough was not dependent upon his name being cleared. His breakthrough, his healing, his restoration was not dependent upon anyone apologizing or anyone sorting out whatever happened to him in his past. It was all dependent upon his connection with God. Let me tell you something today. There is nothing stopping your healing if you would just step into his presence. David and Saul. Saul, Saul was a king who was, who was threatened by David's rising. David wasn't trying to take over. David was just anointed. David was just a man who was beginning to shine because he had the hand of God upon his life. And, and I've seen in the church many times pastors threatened because somebody shines brighter than they do. I couldn't be more joyed. If the team that are around me shine brighter and bigger than I do, I'm happy to step out of the way anytime. I don't want this church to go backwards if I leave. Yet I've met, I've met some church leaders that they hate it when they leave, the church grows because they see it as a personal failure. If the church goes backwards when I leave, I feel like I've just wasted 19 years of my life. If they can take it to another level, even if they can do it in a week, what I couldn't do in 19 years, I'd go, thank God I had a part of the journey. I was a part of the process. And I, but you know, Saul was threatened by David rising. He was, he was hanging on to what he had because he thought it was his. But yet it's God that gives and it's God that takes away. Job said, it's naked I came, naked I'll go home. That's scary for some of us. Because we don't look as good as when we came <laughs> to going home. I, you know, I wouldn't like to arrive in the nude. Believe me, I tell you. It's the... But you know something? Saul made David's life hell. David honored him. David respected him. David, David did the right thing by him. Whenever David felt like his, his emotions or his flesh got the better of him, he would repent. Remember the time he cut Saul's robe? He snuck into the cave and he, he cut his robe just to let Saul know, hey, I could have killed you, mate, but I didn't. He felt guilty. He felt convicted. That wasn't the honorable thing to do. I thought, man, I'd have put a knife in his back if I'd have been David. All he did was snip the edge of his robe to send him a message. But David knew that was not a godly thing to do. So David repents before God. Saul dies and the relationship issue is never resolved. So you see... Resolving our past is not where healing is found. Because your past may never be resolved. It may never be resolved. It's only in him, David and Absalom. That was the king over David. Now we've got David, one of his own sons, becomes disloyal to him and betrays him, tries to steal the throne from David. And, and David is just so gutted by, by the closeness of this family member would do such a thing to him. He's, he's been faithfully serving God. He's faithfully honored God. He's, he's done the right thing. And now he's one of his own sons turning on him, trying to steal the throne from him. And Absalom is killed in the process. David never gets to resolve the issue with his son. But David found healing in his God. See, resolving our past is not a guarantee. Even Jesus faced it. Judas betrayed him. That would have broken his heart. He would have been devastated. I know that because he became a man like us so that he would feel what we feel when things go wrong in our life, when pain comes, when relationships go sour, when things don't work out the way. He felt all of our emotions. He's been tempted in every... Yet Jesus was tempted with sex. Did you know that? Whoa, that's heavy. But it's true. 
Jesus, I, I am convinced, as a teenager, he had enough testosterone pumping through his veins to jumpstart a dead elephant. <laughs> and he would have been walking down the street of Jerusalem with that pretty little piece walking by, and him like, she's nice, man. He, it's true. Don't be offended by that. He was a man like you and me. He experienced temptation, yet he didn't succumb to it like so many of us do. That's the only difference. He felt it. He felt it. And he would have felt the pain of the betrayal that Judas brought upon him. And Judas suicides. It would have been nice if Judas had come back and said, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Because he was broken by it. You read it. He was broken by it. He was devastated by it. And he, he, he just goes out, puts a noose around his neck and ends it all. Rather than running to the one that could have fixed it all, he ran from the one who could have fixed it all. And Jesus is already gutted. But then to hear the news, he, he's been found hanging over the valley. He's gone. It was never resolved. But Jesus took comfort from his connection with his father and he drew his heel you see healing is not in this life about the resolving of past issues it's about using our past issues to push deeper into a relationship with God and it's only in him when you experience the love of Christ then you will be made complete then you will be healed then you will be restored if things are resolved in your past, it's a bonus. It's icing on the cake. It's a blessing and it's a joy. But don't live life expecting it because it may never happen. Find your healing completely in him. You know, the greatest gift we can give our world is our own personal wholeness. The world is broken. It's looking for answers. But so many of us are just as broken as the world and still stay broken. And only difference is we go to church. That's not how it should be. We should be discovering his love every day and experiencing new levels of his healing process and his restoring hand in our life so that the world who is looking for answers can see it in us and say, I want what you've got. I can see what you've got. It's making a difference. These things don't upset you anymore. You're not offended like you used to be. You're not, you're not angry like you used to be. You're not frustrated like you used to be. You're not, not all highly strung like you used to be. You seem to have a calmness, an aura, a, 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 a sense of a presence of something around your life. And I don't know what it is. You've found something. And what I see in you is what I want. You see, it comes out of experiencing the love of Christ. We go to more levels. But the greatest gift we can give our world is our own personal wholeness. It's our own personal healing, able to cope with the pressures and disappointments of life. Yet so many of us can't cope with it. The setbacks, this is what I was praying for and it never happened. Some of those things are really hard to bear, but we've got to suck it up and bear it because he alone orders our steps. He alone dictates the path we are on and we need to just keep our eyes on him and say, well, Jesus, I never thought it was going to go this way. I never thought we'd turn down this road, but you've promised to order my every step. I'm just going to keep following you. I'm going to keep experiencing your love and I'm just going to go wherever you might lead. The Lord is my shepherd. Only when I want healing, only when I want a breakthrough financially, or is he my shepherd wherever he may lead? When he's my shepherd, I follow him. And when I follow him, 
When I follow him, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. It's simple, isn't it? It's not, as Greg Edwards would say, rocket science. It's easy. Why don't we just do it? People are looking for wholeness in our life, able to smile at the storms that come our way, able to roll with the punches and keep getting up. When we get knocked down, we just keep getting up. You know, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he will not be cast down. We will fall. We will stumble. We will trip up because we're human. And Jesus is looking down at us. Are you going to get up or are you going to lay there? I'm going to get up. To whom will I go? Only you have the words of eternal life. Wherever you lead me, I will go. Sometimes he'll lead you right into the eye of a storm. Sometimes he'll lead you right into a painful situation. Sometimes he'll lead you right into a journey that hurts and stretches and pulls and twists and puts turmoil into your inner person. But if you keep your eyes focused on him, I guarantee you'll come out with greater capacity, greater ability to overcome the next thing. While ever God is moving in this life, evil will always be present. Until the devil is chained up and thrown permanently in the lake of fire, he is allowed to roam. Why? I have no idea. Other than I think it's to grow us. You know, we, we, we become more than conquerors through him that loves it. If you want to be more than a conqueror, listen to me, you've got to have something to conquer. <laughs> I'm more than a conqueror. You know, remember the movie with Russell Crowe? Um, Maximus, um, what was it called? Gladiator. You know, what, who was a little upstart who stole the throne when it should have been Maximus that got the, the, the uh, Caesar's throne? It was his son who stole it and he was an upstart. Who, you know, he used to arrive late for battles because he was frightened of getting hurt. If you've seen the movie, it's, it's, it's true. He was a coward. And he, he stole the throne that should have gone to Maximus. And he, he arranges a ticker tape parade for himself to, to be sung to and worshipped and glorified. And he rides into Rome and all the Roman Senate knew exactly what had happened and knew what he was really like. And one of them turned to the other and mumbled, look at him. He rides into Rome like a conquering hero. But what has he ever conquered? Some of us are like that. We want to be more than conquerors. Get ready to face something you're going to have to conquer. That's the only reason I think the devil is still around. Is he's trying to grow our capacity and our faith so that when the storm comes, we, you know, it's, it's like you will never withstand the storm. We should look back and say, I am the storm. Because in him, I can do all things. Whatever rolls our way, we're going to stand up. Face it and show the world that in him we can get through anything. In him we can overcome anything. The world is looking for answers. It's time for the church to rise up and stop going to church and start being the church. Yeah, very good. Very good. The only way to do it is to obey his word. Declare his word and obey his word. You know, it's futile to declare what you're not prepared to obey. Futile. We want to declare his word when we have a need. We find the scripture and we start speaking it. No, we have to be people who obey his word. I shared this last Sunday morning and I'm going to start wrapping up with this. When Saul was really going well, 
Samuel found him because the Lord told him, find Saul and anoint him to be the next king of Israel. So he finds Saul and he begins to speak the word of the Lord into Saul's life. He begins to say to him, Saul, you've been chosen. You will be the first king of this nation called Israel. You will be the leader. God has appointed you and he's about to anoint you. And I want to tell you something, Samuel. This is what's going to take place. This is the word of the Lord to you. Like we often sit in here every Sunday. Samuel was getting it direct from the prophet's mouth. He said, when you leave here, this will take place. That will take place. This will happen. And when these things happen, Saul, this is what you are to do. This is how you are to respond. This is what you are to say. Saul, this is this is." Your part in this whole process. Here's the word of the Lord. But when you leave here, these things will happen. And here's what you are to do. In verse 10 of 1 Samuel. No, verse 9. 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 10. Look at this. As Saul turned to leave, God changed Saul's heart. I love that. You see, we can be a hearer of the word. And it will have absolutely no effect upon our life. Until we become a doer of the word. Nothing happened to Saul until he turned to go. Until he turned to obey. Until he turned to follow what the word of the Lord was for his life. As he turned to go, God put a new heart within him. Something changed in his inner person. Something happened. Something was transformed on the inside. Something supernatural took place. It was because he became a doer of the word not just a hearer of the word let me close with this genesis chapter 4 adam and eve give birth to cain and abel cain becomes a farmer abel becomes a keeper of flocks a shepherd when harvest time came the bible tells us in genesis chapter 4 that cain brought an offering to the lord and Abel also brought what the Bible says was fat portions, choicest pieces of his flock to the Lord. And the Bible tells us that, that Abel's offering the Lord accepted, but Cain's he rejected. Now, I've heard it preached over the years, and I've even preached this, and I think there's, there's truth in this, that the key is found in the fact that Abel brought the best of his flock, whereas Cain just brought an offering from his barn. That may be true. I can't prove that it is or it isn't, but it may be true. It sounds good, works if you're doing an offering message and you want to try and get a big offering. You know, don't just give him a few coins, give him the best of what you've got. It works for offerings. But I don't think that's what the passage is trying to tell us. The Lord comes back and says an interesting thing. He says, he says, Cain, why are you so dejected? Because the Bible says that when his offering was not accepted, he became downcast. He became dejected. He, he just sat in a heap of depression and moped because God did not accept what he brought. But his brother over there, well, he got all the favor and all the glory and all the accolades. And he's just the golden child, of course, and, and so on. The Lord says to him, he says, why are you so dejected? And you know, I think there are people in the house of God today who are dejected because God is not giving them what they want. God is not serving up what they want when they want it. God is not coming through. Like John said in his text message at 3.30 this morning, that Jesus is not a convenience store, that I just go when I, I need something. 
He's meant to be followed. He's meant to be worshipped. And, and I think there are people today in the house of God that just want to do life the way they want to do it. And they want God to just bless that. But God doesn't operate like that. God wants to be followed. So he says to Cain, why are you so dejected? If you do what is right, you will be accepted. But if you refuse to do what is right, sin is crouching at the door to control you. Let me say this. If the Holy Spirit is not allowed to control your actions, your decisions, your behavior, your attitudes, if the Holy Spirit is not allowed to control you, sin will. It's one or the other. If you'll do what is right, as I'm calling you, Cain, you will be accepted. You will be looked after. Everything will go well for you. But if you refuse to do what is right, sin is crouching at the door and it will control you, is what it says. Not once do we read Cain saying, Lord, I hear you. Somehow I haven't done this the way you wanted me to do it. Somehow I've gone about this the wrong way. Somehow I'm missing a key piece in the puzzle and that's why I haven't been accepted. Lord, can you please clarify for me what is right for me? I believe the father would have stood up and said, well, here it is, son. This is where you went wrong. This is what you need to adjust. And if you will just do it, heaven will open above you. I think for so many of us, let's, let's stop doing what we, we, we want God to do. And let's start asking what he wants for us to do. And as we do that and we start living in him and through him and for him, then healing will begin to flow at greater levels than we ever thought possible. God is wanting to rebuild our life, restore our life, refresh our life. He doesn't want death to rule and reign over us. He wants us to live the much more life. He wants us to live much more. Will we reign in life through Christ and overcome and walk through the storms and eyeball the enemy every day of our lives? He wants us to be the head, not the tail. Let's stop living at the tail. Let's start living for Him. Let's start living for him. Let's start following.